high time we get at it. You know, the, it's labor intensive. You know, it's always exhausting. It takes so much effort, extra effort. It takes us out of the normal flow of our day is what it does. Have to sit down and create this sense of intimacy. And, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. They make people think this is, yeah, this is how we actually live. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> At some point, you have to say, it's 8.47 a.m. Saturday, July the 3rd, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's Diane. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not always perfect. It's not an ideal world. So we got the sunflex on the carpet. The usual fairy fairy lights are shining. The sun is beating against the outside of the building, but it's filtered through the trees of the treehouse. And we have the happy kitchen sitting over there, chuckling under its breath, looking for other opportunities of places to be. And it isn't. It likes being with us. You think it likes being with us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We created it. I'm starting to catch a little attitude when every time I go out there. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. A little attitude. Like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, you missed a spot over there. Yeah, ham and eggs. What are those drops doing on the countertop? What's yeah, that? sense of that, you know, a little bit of that snootiness from the kitchen. Like it thinks it's better than me. Before, I knew it was better than me, but it didn't. Now, it's better than me, and it knows it. What's going to happen? You know, I'd like to say, Diane, I'd like to say that it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, and I know that it has been for you, but for me it has not been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. It has been a kind of a slow, plodding, weird, you know, body part-oriented old man kind of hobbling around from task to task kind of a week, which is not my favorite kind of week to have. Well, it was. It was. I yeah, think everybody had, was having know, trouble. It was, it was that. It's the, the time of year dome. where the yeah, the heat dome. I've yeah. never seen anything like that. That was like a. It was almost like something you would expect in a horror film. It was like a science fiction movie. It was like Act One of some science fiction movie. Gee, it's hot. But then you realize that the Earth has fallen out of its orbit and is plunging into the sun. <laughs> and then the movie goes on from there, and you know. Bruce Willis or Will Smith or somebody like that saves the universe. <laughs> Got to call them the Justice League or the Avengers or the, the something. I don't know. Anyway, um, at this point in my progression, I would say I have a pleasant aspect. Uh, my body is uh, only semi-inert and... Uh, I'm doing things like climbing stairs and executing uh, bathroom maneuvers and things quite well. So, I think my report is pretty much complete. We can move on. I have played the guitar this week, too, in anticipation of the fact that finally, right, this next Tuesday, the one that's coming up, is July the 6th, right? It is July the 6th. Okay, so then the treehouse can can Resume. Happen. Right. It feels like... You know, we can talk about that off air. I don't <laughs> need to air my daily pathologies here that much. But um, yeah, you've had a week. Yeah, I think that I, I will best sum it up by every year in the summer, every year, there is this critical point 
and I am in that period of the critical point where the volume and everything is just tumbling down upon it's, you. And, and it is exceeding everybody's limits at the same time. Exactly. So that's, everybody, that's the, one of the things that's kind of nice about it is that I don't think you encounter anyone during your daily interactions for your job that is not freaking out at least as bad as you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, so. because for every single person who works in administration at the U, there's something going on during this time because of the fiscal year ending. And, uh, but I was trying to explain to Bill that in, when you're dealing with human resources issues and payroll and reappointments of faculty and all that, the seven, one period is a big time. And the nine fifteen period is a big time. And so these, but the seven, one is the biggest That's, that's July 1st. And September 15th. Um, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. I, I'm just talking the payroll lingo because that's the way I write it out is 7-1, you know. And it's just insane. It's a siege. It's so a siege. Uh, so when we're in this, every year I always say, oh my God, this is so much worse than I remember but I've said that that every year. It's always so much worse because you forget until you're in it but how I mean, very bad it can be. But don't you think that part of what is agitating about it is that it seems like the people who are doing the work are more burdened than they used to be. I whereas, do believe whereas that's Whereas there are computer programs in place that are... Eight, that are like labyrinthine out of necessity in order to be able to do all the functions so that the strain on the people who are interacting with the software is intense, even though the software improves productivity on the back end, meaning the jobs can get done more efficiently and faster. But the pressure it puts on the people who are still having to enter the information and get things right is more intense than it was when the jobs were more spread out amongst several people. Yeah, I would say that's true. So in but an effort to streamline what is any business's highest cost, which is personnel costs, they spend millions of dollars on a piece of software that can make this many people's jobs obsolete so that they can save money on human resources costs. And, but they're, at the same time, they're depersonalizing each of these functions. They're taking humans out of the equation. Human resources was called human resources because it was a person-to-person -person encounter. It used to be called personnel. You, right. You'd go to the personnel office and you'd talk to somebody. Yeah. If you had an issue or if you wanted to initiate this or discontinue that or you were moving a different job title or any of those things that are done now in these drop-down menus in, in the computer program used to be done with human interaction. And I don't think that's made uh, any of the people in the rank and file who are doing the work feel any less stressed out than they were before. This so is true. The but considerations I, are made to benefit the bottom line, not to make any one person's job easier. Right. Yeah. However, I do not want to right, I don't you know, want to dwell stick on, on this whole topic because... Enough said. It's it's been a crazy week. But there is, I want to say, without and then we can leave it. Yeah. 
there is a socio-economic political aspect to all of this that I think as when you've been in the same field for as long as you have, there is this element that is always kind of preying at you and making you realize how much worse things actually are than they used to be. I've always loved working at the U, still do. Mm -hmm. It's just summer is always crazy and and uh, I always feel a little under the wheel during the summer, during this particular period of time. And then it just releases. It, you know, like all the volume just drops and you feel like, oh my God, I'm, you know, am I working hard enough? I, because you get used to working at this, this incredible speed uh, because you have to. And then all of a sudden you go back to your normal speed and it actually feels like you're lazing around. It's, it's a very strange phenomenon, but it happens every year. So anyway, enough said about that. Enough said? Enough said. Okay. <laughs> but this week we also had our countertops replaced. Oh, yes, we did. Yes. I mean, kitchen. it may have seemed like it was longer ago than it was, but our it was just on... Our happy kitchen is like... It was just on Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. And that was... The day that Bill forgot. <laughs> It was so wonderful to to watch these. I, both the I was telling Bill this morning that both the the groups that assisted us in our kitchen transformation, they they were both a a couple of artists of their craft. Both the the two men who painted the the kitchen cabinets and the wall, and the two men who came out to do the countertops countertops it's quite wonderful to watch people do their work and with with true artistry and yeah, i think and we a, were and we and lucked a sense out of actual pleasure in doing what they do and doing it well that's a that's a nice thing to see and to witness and we've been very fortunate to especially the the well there were actually three guys because there was a plumber who came to put in a new sink and put together the sink and the faucet yeah. and they were all just he looked like lovely. a guy somebody ought to write a book about yeah they were lovely people know, all of great. them and they, they were, had a lot of laughter they had a lot of camaraderie between the, the their and, and that was true of the painters too you felt like they were adding this joyous aspect to the house rather than being right. uh, problematic contractors or right. something Plumber so. was like a retired guy that you know was getting a little, you know, was doing a little self-employment thing to kind of augment his income. And these guys were, you know, having him do these sink installs. And uh, he enjoyed doing it and knew what he was doing and had done it for, you know, however many years. He looked like he was probably in his late 70s maybe, or mid-70s at least, right? And uh, But he really enjoyed it. He was having a good time and he bantering back and forth with the guys. They liked working together. It was good. It was a good, everybody was harmonious. So it created a harmonious environment in the house as these things, which can be disharmonious because they are disruptive. And well, because your house is kind of right. like, especially when they were doing the laminate. Yeah. Well, both times, you know, your house is totally torn up for yeah. a while, yeah. but not like if you were totally redoing your kitchen with everything and had months of, no. 
of re, you know reconstruction that would be scary <laughs> so the kitchen's even happier than it was before you know you walk in there now it's like you feel like wow i should i need to hang out in here all the time this is like going to some kind of a some kind of a retreat a zen <laughs> retreat or something like that you get that kind of church camp feeling every time pardon you me i'm having another drink of coffee walk into the kitchen like wow salvation is you boy real it's right here it's good coffee do, i need total immersion in this kitchen to, you know, find we food. are in the kitchen all the time i know, I know. we do spend a lot of time in there and anyway yeah. So those were the the major aspects of this week, I would say. But I I want to go off on a little tangent that you would not have anticipated because really we have a surprise uh, a surprise sub- topic. Ooh, cool. I was looking I I was looking at my Facebook photos of my family, and for some reason, for the first time, I was just seeing these people as people in I mean really not just as my family members you know seeing these young people particularly what what really started it off was a picture of my grandfather Schulstad that because I had posted a a photo of all of the family members um, before we were born at the beach and when I was, and that's what started me on looking at the photos, because I thought, wow, my grandfather Schulstad, he was a handsome man. You know, he was a good looking guy. And, you know, when you're growing up around these people, you never think of them as good looking or, I mean, you kind of do, but you, they're your family. You're not really thinking, wow, he was a good looking guy. So I was looking at all these photos of all these family members and, and seeing all sorts of things that I'd never seen before, like that in one of the photos, my grandmother, uh, my mom's mother, was wearing a, a necklace with a what is called delf. It's a, a particular porcelain that is blue and white that is produced in the Netherlands, okay. which um, she was wearing a necklace. I have a bracelet of hers that is Delf that I had just found among my mother's, um, my mother's stuff, and I was thinking, "Wow, this is really an old, an old item that my grandmother probably got when, you know, she was a refugee from Netherlands. I mean, from Belgium to into the Netherlands." And I was thinking how interesting it is if you just look at your family photos not so much of this is my family but just looking at the the photos and seeing what you see in the photos it's it was quite interesting for me that's all i needed to say about that <laughs> oh yeah it's interesting for me to look at i mean i've got a a cache of photographs of my grandparents as young people i mean young young people and it's very interesting to look if when you look in the backgrounds first of all it's interesting for me to note that if they're standing in front of a car the car is on a dirt road the roads were not paved the roads were all dirt roads pictures of my mother's father and his brother and sister i think they were living in north bend at the time there weren't any paved streets in north bend and uh, that was what town was you know 
It's interesting to look at that old stuff. And plus, one of the things that's great about it is that those old photographs are such amazing, good quality photographs because the negatives were usually big. Um, the older the photo, the bigger the negative was, and the bigger the negative was, the more detail is captured. Right. You know? That's what Dale mentioned about that photo of my family at the beach because when I found it, it was it was in a stack of papers and it was just, just a tiny, but that tiny. was a print. But that print may have been the actual size of the negative. So if you had the negative and you could create a new print that you could make it wall size and there would be no blur, no yeah. no pixelation, no none of that kind of stuff because the remember what they're called in the film itself the little frames of light capture in the film were small and close together so that there was more detail possible anyway i don't know that i'm speaking correctly about that but i do know that large the larger the negative the better the print you can get from it so. it's easier when you're looking at someone else's family photos to see the people just as people right yeah because some of the photos that you're talking about of your grandparents uh one of the the one of your grandfather i think uh, uh, the boggs i think grand your grandfather boggs yeah. when he was young he looked like he was just a purely fun guy yeah that was that looked like a pretty you know, it looked like a party house man it looked uh, the boggs you know, my grandfather and his brother and his sister, they looked just like fun-loving people who uh, were into having a good time. And, you, know. you know, there's this one photo that uh, immediately comes to my mind where he is standing with some people, but his back is somewhat turned to the camera, but he's turning around and looking back at the camera, and he's got this look of pure mischief on his face, yeah. and I just thought, I like that guy. Yeah. And your Uncle Shorty with the seaweed skirt. Mm-hmm. When I was finding a lot of, uh, when I was scanning those photos and looking at them, I was thinking, man, I love these, this family. They're just great. Yeah. They're wonderful people. They looked like uh, they knew how to have a good time, which is good. It's important. And I think a lot of that was passed down. And I think my, my grandfather on my dad's side, too, that well, and he I was, look at he the... was a, a brother with four sisters. He was the only boy, and he had four sisters, and so... He was he was carrying the weight of the family. He was the, you know, because he was the man. He was the heir apparent to the whole situation, and he seemed like he was born and raised to do it. Took it on. Well, and that's why I love that photo of my family at the beach. They just are all relaxed and hanging out, and they look like they're just having fun as a family. And I just love that. Yeah, and there's pictures of my grandfather camping with friends. There's a few photos of him on this camping trip with his friends, but they're just, I don't know, they're just something about them is just so amazing. And he's big and burly. I mean, he's, he's got big shoulders and big arms because, you know, he was throwing around bags of feed and, you know, loading coal into the back of trucks all day and stuff like that. The guy was a, he was a stud. <laughs> he was a stud. I love seeing my family in a in a way that you're just looking at them as people. Yeah. Because I think that when you only think of your family members as your family members, you realize that you really don't know a lot about who they were when they were young. Right. or That's why if you, you can, only know the stories that they've told you. Or the, you know? Yeah. 
or that they've told to their children and their children are telling you or whatever. Right. It's like seeing your grandparents before your parents were born is better as a better window into who they were uh, than you know when when they had children and then because grandparents in our lifetimes are always the old people. Yeah. So you don't really you think of them more as institutional, you know, in their in their place as your grandparents. And that's where they're frozen. So any photographs I have of my grandparents while I was alive, they're already grandparents by that point, you know. So, I mean, their lives are mostly over. They're probably in their 50s. My God. You know. Well, my grandfather, Schulstad, was the first of my grandparents to depart. And he died when I was, uh, I think, a junior in high school is my recollection. And that was a tough loss because... I just really loved my grandfather Schulstead. And he was not a person who talked a lot. He was uh, he was kind of a, my dad always called him a putterer. My, my dad also is, can claim that title, and, and I think I can claim that title too. You're always just kind of puttering around and doing, you want to do things. Like, I remember my grandfather building a doghouse for my, uh, when he came to our house, he wanted to do something. He didn't want to just sit around, you know. So I just remember him just being so good with, with us kids, and he loved being a grandfather. And um, so it's just interesting to note what a handsome and genial guy he is in all these photos and there's this one photo of my family uh, my grandparents and my parents when my parents were newly wed and he has his hat kind of in this rakish angle on his head and he just looks like a, a real happening kind of a guy and I was thinking well of course this is an adventuresome man he took off from Sweden and came over to America when he was in his teens or early 20s. Those sorts of people, they were not stick in the muds. They did something vastly different. And adventurous, so, yeah. It was a time where that kind of adventure with, was possible. Well, I remember when my grandmother, Shulstead, died that the comment that my father made was that her journey when she came over here as a teenager on the boat was almost the same as going to the moon or something back yeah, then. Yeah. It was not an easy thing to do. and right. The world was not nearly as connected as it is now. And yeah. So when you left the old country, you were leaving everyone you'd ever known, and, and you would never see them again. Yeah. And they never did. They never saw their families again. Yeah. But I, Although some of their family members also immigrated to America eventually. But, man. And probably letters were exchanged back and forth, but I mean, you know. I just really enjoyed my little tour through those photos, looking at, at little little things like that Delph necklace and my grandfather, who I never met and that died when my mom was three. Yeah. Uh, he has, he had on his lapel this little pin that I think that I had found in the in my mom's jewelry box this very small it was a Knights of Pythia pin Pythias 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 yeah maybe Pythias Knights of Pythias yes. I've heard of the Knights of Pythias yeah. yeah 
I still want to know what PEO means. What does PEO mean? My grandmother was a member of the PEO. It was some kind of a women's organization or something. I don't know if it was a like a lodge, like the like the you know the Kiwanis or the or the Knights of Pythias or the you know. Knights of Pythias. Well, it turns out that the Knights of Pythias is is a lodge, and it was doing charitable deeds in the world, and it really makes you feel good that your grandparents were a part of that. Yes, indeed. Indeed, indeed. What a week. What a time. What a day. What an hour. What a band. Our music today is, is coming from the fact that when I listen to music, at work, yes. I, I sort of fixate on certain things, and I was certainly fixated on Alan Parsons a lot this week because it is very driving, and I it had that frenetic feel that I needed right. to get my job done. But as things slowed down by the end of the week, I was listening to uh, to Farron, yeah. and there's something so calming about i just started listening to her yesterday which kind of shows that my frenetic time was was drawing a little bit inward and made me think of oh i just want something more calm and one of my favorite albums by by farron is driver i mean i love all of her albums actually but driver i think is it has some of my favorite songs by her and Certainly it has Cactus, which you introduced me to. I had never heard it before. In fact, I hadn't heard the Driver album until you introduced that to me. That's, uh, that was my introduction to Farron was the Driver album. And then seeing her, when that album came out, she was at the Folk Alliance conference I went to down in Portland. And she performed with uh, Jamie Sieber from Rumors of the Big Wave. Oh, right. She played the cello, the electric cello just the two of them on stage and they played two songs girl on a road and cactus wow and my old school friend ron hyman his older brother jeff was a pr guy or an a r guy for a record label and i ran into jeff at the conference and he handed me a copy of driver and said here you should hear this and yeah that's the only interaction i think i've ever had with jeff hyman he was in my sister's class in high school so he was a couple of years older than me, and I didn't, didn't really know him at all, except as the brother of my friend Ron. So. But he handed me that album, and I don't know if he was just passing him out in general at that conference or not. He might have been. But when I heard her sing those two songs, I was absolutely destroyed. I was sitting there in an auditorium full of people I didn't know, and I was just weeping. You know, I had never heard anything like that kind of, that music. And Farron has a, a very silken uh, quality to all of her music that is calming. But she also has a lyric uh, quality. Her lyrics are unlike anything you will ever hear. And part of uh, what I would say about her lyric writing that blends so well with the music she puts it to is that her lyrics have texture. Her lyrics are um, as much about sound as they are about meaning. And she has a way of putting, stringing words together like you have never heard before. And it makes sense in the context, but it invites repeated listening. It invites rereading. It's like a poem that 
you recognize is very powerful and the first thing you want to do when you finish it is read it again and f and look at all those little different elements and how they fit together and why the perspective changes in this way from this line to this line because you've never seen anybody do that before and then you witness how it affects you I don't know Farron's music enters you in a different kind of way than a lot of people's do and it's kind of an oblique angle that is particular to to her particular kind of craft so uh, I've almost thought of because a lot of times when I'm listening to her songs it's Cactus for example or the one one of the ones we're going to play today Independence, Independence Day, Day. Yeah. it's almost like she's writing a letter to somebody right. you exactly. know but but a letter that is so poetic and wise Right, and it's in, almost like she's using references that only the receiver of the letter will understand, right? Her language can be so particular that it's, it seems like it's being deliberately obscure unless you are listening in the flow of what she's saying. And then it, it's, it establishes its own context as it comes, uh, comes to you. And I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it makes it, the overall effect is intensely personal. And even on an upbeat song like Love Loves Me, you know, which has got kind of a Cajun kind of feel to it, it still doesn't sound like any other music. No, I know. You know, and it's because of her choice of words and the way she sings them and the fact that her voice is, she's got, just got this, a completely unique way of delivering. She doesn't sing like anybody else I've ever heard, you know. It almost sounds to me like somebody talking to you really low right. it's always kind of a, in a whisper and you're kind of, kind of like like somebody's leaning over to you right. and this is just not, talking it's not this about, way it's not about melody even it's about the delivery of the words and the music in the background is the bed for it but she's you know she's not i don't really i can't always really even identify a melody that she's singing she's just delivering the words yeah. i always think of her in the same um, category as Joni Mitchell. Me too, except that she took things that Joni Mitchell did and has just taken them in a completely other direction, but a, a kind of expansive direction because it seems like even more concentrated. The the what she is putting across in her song seems like could have, everything that she says in an, a seven minute song could have occurred in two seconds inside your head but it's all these things putting coming together whereas Joni's you know is telling a story Farron is imparting mental engrams or something these just these little uh, yeah I don't even know how it's hard to describe what she does because it is so unique and it's an approach to songwriting that I think is worthy of study but nobody else can do it but it's nice to have that, to know that that kind of thing is possible. As a songwriter, it's nice to know that you can go in that direction too. It's like she pushes what is possible in a song uh, into a place that it's never been before with every song she writes. Kind of thing. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I could choose any song because... Yeah, that album is pretty I, amazing. I felt like, in fact, I almost chose an, another one, Maya, that I just love. But I wanted something to, that was a little bit, um, because I know that you always like 
two different moods to the songs, not keeping with the same mood the whole way through. But, um, oh my gosh, you know, like the lyrical content, the, and my, my first exploration, and we've had Farron on several times in the past as, because we both love her music so much. And my first experience with her was Shadows on a Dime, which I just, I used to listen to all the time, all it's a, it's the a great time. Album, but I feel like as a studio album, I think Driver is my favorite of her studio albums because of the instrumentation that is on it. Yes. It seems to go so well. It's mostly strings and fretless bass and acoustic guitar. That's it. And piano. There's yes, piano. And, and there's also. keyboards in there too. But I mean, the, uh, I think the fretless bass on, on Driver is amazing. Yeah. And because that's the main instrument that interacts with her singing and whatever is happening with the guitar. Well, what I what I guess I'm saying is Shadows on a Dime was my introduction to her. I never had heard of her before. I did it. Uh, uh, Chris gave it to me as a review, you know, an mm-hmm. album to review in the Victory Music Review. And I, there weren't that many albums that he'd have me review that I would just say, uh, we're not putting this in the library, okay? We're, <laughs> I want to listen to this more. And it was vinyl at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh but man, when I when you sent me the cactus song, I mean cactus, yeah. and I I listened to that, and I listened to the whole album of Driver. I was totally undone by that album. Yep, it is my favorite. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, mine too. Basically. I think if if I, somebody asked me what my all time favorite song is ever, I would say cactus. Yeah, because that just kills me. I know, kills you even to think of it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has, it's like a drop of distilled wisdom about life. I don't know how somebody could even... Yeah, it's a journey. Uh, wow. It's so many different things is the thing. And when I heard her do it at that Folk Alliance conference... Maybe we should have three songs. Maybe nah. we should do it. No, nah. we played that cactus several we played times. Cactus. It's easy to find. Anybody who has it's not listened to, to it, go find it. It's, it's easy to find. Cactus. But get that get the version that's from the album. Driver. Because the fretless bass is impeccable. The, the instrumentation in it is uh, unbelievable and just really work, works well. So. Oh, are we stopping now? <laughs> I was just looking at you to see if you're stopping now. <laughs> I realized that I was just sitting here when I probably should have been doing something like, you know, turning it off. Today I need my water white And my tears drip tight in a thimble cup A fire burn me up inside And my darkness screams mercy up Mercy up and let me ride Where the wind might join and saw me I looked into my lover's eyes And my lover's eyes looked past me Oh, if I weren't such a mortal soul I could sidle past 
past the sorrowed gate And based on end of the paver road That would marry with tomorrow's fate And those pawn-like eyes and saffron smile That hints that more awaits us But now I know where love resides And I finally know what love does It's not only what you do that'll save you Our lives all have their own sweet say Throw a laugh for what life gives you Back telephone by mail slot Back telepathy humming in a splash of rain A child's kite, a sanded box Or a cave where an animal howls in pain There are demons in the alphabet And a bank book you're interested with Full knowing you can't balance yet But you so carelessly part with yeah. Friends. 
sunny and wise With a found generation Of Sally built upon lies If you're aching for beauty As much as for truth There's a price you can pay to cut loose There's lots of holiday boats Spinning around in the bay They're all anchored to something I guess they're distant that we Not that heartache and freedom Don't spin me around They come in holding hands When they come to my town But I read that tragic romantics Would be better all around They'd accept that they're empty and sit down And there's a Paul Simon song That just tears me apart About the Statue of Liberty And a hole in a I'm home. 